Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dial the Gate, episode 172 of the Stargate Oral History Project. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we ha- are privileged to uh, welcome the return of Barney ba- Bartlett Daniels for this episode. She's going to uh, share some details about her uh, newly released memoir, Middle of the Rainbow. Uh, I'll be sharing links on where you can get that. Before we get started, if you enjoy Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, please click that like button. It makes a difference with YouTube and will help the show continue to grow its audience. And please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops. And you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. As we have Bonnie live this episode, uh, you can submit questions to her in the chat and my moderators will get those over to me for uh the second half of the episode um i am really privileged to be here with my uh producer linda gategabber fury and apparently cat cat is good (laughs) very well (laughs) amelia and uh bonnie bartlett daniels of course uh is returning she played linnea in uh stargate sg1 uh we had her on last year and we had such a good time together it was like you know what we've got to have her back especially when her her book comes out bonnie thank you so much for being here thank you for having me this is a real treat uh so your book's been out for uh what is it now a month i think a month Early, uh, what if uh, the the what is the feedback been like? Been like, what has the reaction been like? Tell us about uh, the response for it, and um, what you've learned as a result of sharing this story. Yes, well, you know, it's like you know when you do a play uh, or or a movie or anything, you don't know what you've got until you have the audience and you get the response, and it's always not what you expect. So. Uh, the response, the early response to this was a whole big uh, blow up about an open marriage. They all said, oh, this was an open marriage. I had never used that term in the book at all. I just told things as they happened, you know, and as they related to my main theme, which was to um, uh, kind of recover from the bad things that happened to you, particularly the the things that had to do with with men's power over women and their ability to do bad things to you when you couldn't do anything back. You couldn't speak up. You couldn't protest. You just had to let it happen. And it hurt you. And, you know, I was fortunate to have a lot of therapy because I worked and I made enough money to pay for it. So that helped me a lot. But anyway, that was surprising to me that everybody picked up on that mm-hmm. so much, you know, and they made a big thing about it. And I kept having to say, no, that's not what the book is about. That's not what the book is about. It's about uh, those things happened 
and I put them in there. But no, our marriage was never what I would call an open marriage ever. It was, um, we were very young. We only got married because we wanted to have sex. And at that time, you couldn't do that. I mean, uh, in the, the university that we went to, Northwestern, which is a wonderful school, but there, uh, the head, head uh, uh, freshman dean, dean of women, called me in and said, uh, "I we have seen you in the basement with this young man from Broadway, from New York. And, and we wonder what, is he having a bad influence on you? Well, first of all, we were rehearsing, but that's all right. And then she said, should I call your parents? And I said, no. I didn't say it that way. I just said, no, because I didn't do that in those days. No, ma'am. Uh, are, is this a role that you're playing, Barbara Allen and Dark of the Moon? Is this having a bad effect on you? Because she's kind of a wild country girl. I said, no, it's wonderful. And she said, well, all right. And I got up and walked out. Inside, I'm thinking, how dare she interfere in my life? You know? And your and work. And my work. And that's gone. That's gone now. I mean, that would never happen today. At, at Northwestern or anything. There were still a lot of very old-fashioned um, ideas, you know. So the book is really meant to be a history, in a way, of a life that has gone through a lot of bads and goods and you know, ups and downs and all of this stuff and ended up successfully, or as I say, realizing that I have lived in the middle of the rainbow. I have lived in the middle of the rainbow with all that has gone, because as, as, as many bads, they're goods, you know, and, and progress has been made by women. It's been made quite a bit now. Uh, The equality it's still not there, but it's, it's, we're not the same, but we're equal. You know, that's the trick in life, I think, uh, in every way. In other words, very, very famous people or powerful people, they are equal to everybody. They may not be the same. They may have more of this or that or the other thing, but they're only equal in their rights and in the, their behavior and everything. They're just equal. They're not better. I, I learned that with with uh, some big, big superstars, a big superstar who was amazing uh, performer. And she, she felt she had the right, because we had the same decorator for a while. She felt she had the right to have them give things to her or take things to her because instead of paying more, doing more, because she was so successful, she felt she had the right because she was who she was, that they should just give her things or she could just take them, not return them, you know, things like that, which is a very strange thinking to me, to me, my Midwestern beliefs. And if I, I know that there have been actresses who have said, no, you do my hair because I'm whoever I am. And it should be just the opposite. And mm. it's, you've got more money than most people. So you can, you pay, pay me. In other words, oh, I find that extraordinary thinking 
that uh, that they would anybody would want it for free mm-hmm. because I'm me. And what about you who aren't don't have as much as I? You, that's crazy. But a lot of performers and stars do that. They feel a they've lot, earned it. You know, they feel they've earned their it. status. Yes. yes, it's their status. Now it's different. Like there's no question about it. if you go into a restaurant. And you and they give you a special table. That's different, but you pay for it. Right, you you're pay. paying for it. You're paying for it. That's all I'm saying. I know you're going to get a lot of special things, but if you don't take money from people that you, that you haven't earned, that right. they need, you know that that sort of thing. You don't then advance your station uh, in spite of someone else. That's right. You know, you 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 give back where you can when it's possible to. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Linda, what were uh, uh, some of your takeaways from the book and what, what would you like to, to present to Bonnie with, with uh, your reading of this? And I will follow you. (laughs) Uh, Well, first of all, I, I am so glad you told your story. Um, You, you went through a lot with different men in your life and with my father that was the most fun because i was so young and and, you know a little girl i was a little girl and i was treated always like a woman you know it's terrible wow yeah yeah and so many young women go through similar things and i i worked with disadvantaged youth at the school that i'm at and i the statistics are appalling they really are and the fact that you've spoken out about this is very important. Um, so thank you for writing this. Yes, I know it happens a lot more than 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 we talk about. Mm. Yeah, and it it needs to be talked about, and and in more much more horrendous situations, much more horrendous. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, With the educated as well as the uneducated. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, a yeah, lot of different things, but in the educate, uneducated, but in the educated, it's very bad, very bad. It's not not good. No, um, I was unsurprised by um, what you had to say about about men in the industry, and um, there was one point where you were talking about on Saint Elsewhere where you had an idea for a storyline that you really wanted to pitch. Um, And it was a very good one that they eventually ended up using, but you had to have your husband take the idea to them. They wouldn't wouldn't have listened to me. Yeah. And it's. And um, they were good men, but they wouldn't have listened to me. I mean, the women, I know Christina, who was on the show with me, presented something once and it hurt her. It hurt her rather than, rather than, uh, uh, follow a good story, which happened to include you, uh, they would take something away from her. I mean, yeah. it really, really did happen. Yeah, oh. I I really appreciate the fact that you were terribly clever and got your idea there by well, the... Well, I was lucky because I was married to the, to the lead on the show who they would listen to. Mm. Yeah, and and I see that a lot all through your story is that you have cleverly found the right route. Um, and I took that away from the story too, that 
that, okay, if they're not hearing you, you've got to think about how else can you get your message to the right place so that it gets heard and acted upon. You have to um, read the group that you're in yeah. and act and act accordingly based on the rules of that group. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, another with, part that I... Michael Landon, it was a little different, but because uh, I don't know of anybody who did what I did and got away with it. And because he at least, he saw it and he said, he saw that I was right. Michael Landon? Yeah. 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 Um, the the part where you changed um, the whole scene. I changed the whole scene, and because Michael was the kind of person, he was very hands on, and he he came in and he set up a scene, and he used the stand-ins to set up the scene. So he set up the whole scene with the with the uh, lighting man, you know, mm-hmm. with the light, all the technical people, so that they could see what they had to light and so forth. And he set up the whole scene that way with. The stand-ins, we, we, we didn't come in. And then he brought us all in and he said, okay, you're going to do this. And then you said, and I loved the scene. And I, it was a dramatic scene. It wasn't a comedy. It was a dramatic scene. And I said, uh, I just went over quietly and I said, Michael, I, I'd like to show you how I think this should go. And he looked at me and he said, Okay, he he greatly respected me, and that helps. He really did, and so um, everybody went away. And I said, "See, if he would be here and do it this way, and then we would talk." And then I re did the whole scene physically. Wow! And so, and and I knew it was right. It was it would work. And he just stood there a minute. And he's the cinematographer was right next to him. And he said, uh, how long? And the cinema said, an hour or so. And time is money. You're dealing with a penny pincher here. Some guys who sometimes apparently he would, he would shoot the rehearsal to film and one take and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and he's, and so the cinematographer about an hour, maybe, so everybody went away and they redid the whole scene. And then we came in and then we did it. They lit, relit it. They relit it. That's what takes the time, you know, all the lighting and everything. Because we're in different places. Mm-hmm. So they had to redo. And uh, nobody ever said anything. I never said anything to him about it. He never said anything. We never spoke about it. But it was because he did respect me and he... And I could show him what I wanted in the scene. He he gave it to me. And that was um, very unusual. Very unusual. That was a really amazing thing. And with Ivan Reitman, the same way. Mm. Ivan Reitman. Uh, I I said, no, twins. I said, no, I don't want to do it. And uh, And my agent said, you're crazy. And I said, well, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the part. I don't, there's nothing there. So he told Ivan, Bonnie is not, is going to withdraw. She's not going to do it. And Ivan said, I want you to bring her in uh, for lunch. Well, it was his lunch, not mine. And I want to talk to her. And Harry said, okay. And he said, I don't want you. I just want her. So I went in and he's having his lunch. And he said, what? Why don't you like this part? 
I said, because it's nothing. It, it, it's not filled in, in any way. He said, well, why? What would you do? And I said, well, and I started at the beginning. And I said, at least there. What is, what is, why is she there? What is she going to say? What, what is that about? Then I went through the whole thing with all these little tiny moments. And I said, she has to be this. She has to be doing this. She has to, she has to come in with something here. She has to say that. And I, I went through the whole thing, you know, scene by scene and suggestion after suggestion. So he said, finally, he said, okay, Bonnie, I tell you what, I can't force you to do this part and to make this movie with me. But I will tell you one thing. I'm going to use every one of your suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that clever of him? (laughs) So why don't you come on board and get paid for the use of your ideas? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, it was so clever. and, And he was wonderful with me through the whole thing, through the whole thing. And he was just a wonderful director. Gone now. But, uh, and it was a great show. It was a marvelous movie. And I was wrong about that. I didn't know who uh, Schwarzenegger was. Right. You know, I didn't know. I knew Danny, but I didn't know yeah. Schwarzenegger. And so, and I, 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 I love both of them. They're terrific guys. And I have, I've had been so lucky because I've had, I've worked with so many really good, wonderful people in Hollywood. Mm. I mean, really have a lot of uh, seldom has there been a bad situation seldom i i noticed as as the story as the story uh went went on from my own personal perspective there there was more jumping around um earlier in the book and this, this is what i took away from it as as you wrote you became you appeared visibly to become a better writer Oh, as, really? as you proceeded through the story, yeah. did did you I, feel your your yeah? Did you feel you found I your voice? No, I'm, not, I'm not a natural writer. I had written a script of the section about the adoption and the death of my baby. I had written a script, a screenplay about that years ago, years ago. But it was a screenplay. Yeah. And so when I came back to writing more, the book and the Me Too and all of that stuff. I took that screenplay and there's two chapters there that I made them a narrative. So that section, there are, it, it is hard to put it all together. That section was all written earlier, but as a screenplay. And then I made it a narrative because that was such an important part of my life. And I had to put that in there. And I had written it exactly as it happened. Wow. And that was when I was 30. It happened. I was in my mid thirties when I lost the baby. I was in my mid forties when I wrote that section as a screenplay. And then all the rest coming when I went back to it was a struggle, was a struggle to write and to have to go back all the time and say, how did you feel? What I had a guy, that wonderful guy who helped me to just, he, I, I, I insisted it be my words, my writing. But he would say, but what were you thinking then? 
what what how did it feel how did it make you feel so he made me go deeper encouraged you to express yourself yeah. and very much so he wow. said just write it all out with the i said how do i write this about he said start at the beginning with your father and just write it all out all the way through and then of course we had to figure out where to put things in the book that was complicated that was hard you know cuz it was kind of disjointed we we did eliminate one chapter that he felt I had was not smart enough to write. And that was the one on woke. And I had everything in there, things that he said, like he was shocked. He was shocked when he knew that as a little girl, I loved minstrels. You know, I never blackfaced, but I would always, you know, the things we did when I was a little girl. But it and, was part of the culture. I I mean, my uh, grandmother, uh, her her father did some vaudeville. Yes. She she talked about that, about going to minstrel shows as a girl and how oh, that was great entertainment. Yes. And society saw nothing wrong with it at the time. I mean, no, we look back and we're kind we of all, But at the time, it was accepted. Totally accepted. This desire uh, Jack to Benny's Rochester. If you yeah. think back, Jack Benny was one of our favorite shows. He was great. My husband adored him. He was a great comedian. And he Bill will do stuff. Then you think back, but Rochester was very big in that show. And yeah. the fact that they were uh I mean, for them, it was great that they all got work and everything. But all of that work, most of it, based on humor that Today we that we look at right. them as different. The des the desire to to look at the past solely with modern eyes has always been, in my opinion, intellectually dishonest. Because yeah. you know we we communicate more now than we did about the about smaller issues because we have the the benefit of time to look at this and say, okay, was this really a good thing? And I, th I think that's something that we often forget in the, because it's so easy to go back and, and pick on something from 50, 60 years ago and say, aren't they stupid? Well, yeah. What, are they, what do you think they're going to think about us now, 50 years from now? So. Right, exactly. And this gentleman who I told you about, who Lauren, who helped me with so much of it, I took his advice on that. He said, I just think that you're not writing – uh, that chapter is is to what you say it's it's old it's and we all know we know all that now you don't have to tell us and I don't want to, to make it look like what that I was part of something terrible I mean I was part of the culture as you say we did awful things now I know that mm. you know just like now we know that all the things men do because they have a little power and they can harass women and assault women and abuse women. We know that now, but we didn't then. We didn't know that we could speak up and say, no. When I spoke up about my father, my mother said, oh, he's just being affectionate. So that makes me stupid, right? That makes me, oh, something wrong with me. It's always, there's something wrong with me. And that's what we do. And that's very debilitating. That that doesn't strengthen us. Oh, something wrong with me. 
I'm the bad one. I'm the sick one. I'm the twisted one. And I'm when you hear person. it from another woman, that's that's even worse somehow. You know, because it's it's like another woman is telling you your perception of this is completely wrong. Yes. Like yes. it must really be true then. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'm bad. He's 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 okay, but I'm bad. Was there any the the, the one question that I really wanted to to ask was in conversations with Bill about this content, was there at any point any discussion between the two of you about do you really want to release this part? Do you think that this is, I mean, this is, this is about us, you know, do you, why do you want to release this to the world? Was there any point, anything like that? You know, no, there wasn't. But of course, if, if, if he had been 60, yes, Okay. I couldn't have done it then, but he now, we are so close now, incredibly close. And he is, we are so dependent on each other, <laughs> unbelievably so. And we're very affectionate and warm and so forth. And he feels like all of that, oh, Bonnie's book. Yes. Well, okay. And he's read it, but he didn't say anything. He just said, okay, you know, probably doesn't even remember part of it. Because Bill doesn't have the memory that I have. You know, he's 95. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you notice, I mean, his book is all about stories and it's all, it's not personal. It's mostly about stories. He'll, he'll talk about politics maybe or something like that, or he'll talk, but uh, he doesn't talk about feelings. He doesn't talk about it in life. He doesn't talk about his feelings in life. Or even he'll say, I'm not in touch with my body. He's very strong. He's lucky. He's so good. 95, he's still strong. Mm-hmm. But he'll say, how, how does that feel? And he has to think about it. He doesn't. I don't know where, you know, he's just different than, than I am. I'm in touch with everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Know There's, what's going on. You, you bring up affection in the book. Uh, how it was, it was something that... Um, you felt was lacking between the two of you? Is it something that you had to just work at over the years to be more more conscious of between the two of you? I think so. Yeah, certainly for me. Yeah. Certainly for me, I had to consciously know, find that I would watch other people and I find, I, why don't I do that? Why don't mm-hmm. I throw my arms around my girlfriends and hug them? We didn't do that. We just didn't do that. We weren't... It's Midwestern, small town. We just weren't. Uh, Strasburg always said that you had to have a little ethnic blood in you to be a good good actor. He always said that. You know, and I said, where is that? Like, hey. <laughs> you know, because he's, uh, because they're more expressive. Mm-hmm. Because what you have to have as an actor is to be expressive. So you have to find your way into that. And you've got to get into that expression, whatever it is. And yes, I definitely, I, Est was a very good thing for me to realize some of my uh, lacks, if you will, and as, as well as positives. It was a good, good thing, Est, for me. And uh, any kind of analysis, any kind of philosophy or that kind of thing, you know, exploring 
things like that. And that's where I saw a marvelous film on sex was at S. It was very revealing to me. Because, you know, what they show is not the greatest. They never show you good sex in the movies. They all just show you all these, you know, violent kind of, even even the the attractions are violent. They never show you a really kind of wonderful, warm sex, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Love make, making, actual love making. Love making, it's yes. All just, that's we're it. moving the plot along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. We have an audience member, Lock Watcher, wanted to know, with with Linnea or a a one-off character like your role in, for instance, Golden Girls, did you approach those characters differently for one-off roles compared to, like, your recurring role uh, as Ellen and St. Elsewhere? Or was it all the same in terms of your, like, approach? My approach was the same. St. Elsewhere was different because... Bill pulled me into it. Uh, Mm. It was a tiny part. And he saw a couple of jokes because I was his, he had bragged. He loved the character bragging about what he had done all the time, you know, and bragging about how he got his wife to stop smoking. You know, he was this guy and he told everybody that. And then of course, the minute he leaves to go to the bathroom or something, I pull out a cigarette, (laughs) smoke a cigarette, (laughs) you know, and it made a couple of good laughs. That was all I had to do was in that first show. And they saw, even in that little bit, that Bill and I were funny together. Because we can be funny together. And so they started writing. And then they got more and more into us and writing. It was good for the show. It was a good uh, couple. It was a good out-of-the-hospital uh, stuff. And we could do it like falling off a log. Because we had we had worked together, we'd studied together, we'd lived together, we we'd had everything, so it was really easy. You didn't have to prepare. Yes, for I uh, so in that no, there was no preparation at all. But except technically, the cigarette I don't smoke, so he had to teach. <laughs> There's a he trick had, to it to make it look believable. Yeah, he has it. He that oh very he's very technically correct. He taught me how to take the pack and. Do you know that yeah. to get it shaken out and taught me how to smoke like a man? So, um, <laughs> to get the joke, you know, because that's all he cares about is the joke. So, anyway, uh, that was, but the any other role that wasn't like me, uh, yes, you, you have to look at it and prepare it and figure out what it is. It's the same kind of preparation that you would do or the theater, you know, as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is when it's quick, you just, it, you, you rely on your instincts. You rely on your instincts when it's so quick. Wow. Do you still use... You're trying to accustom yourself, yeah. You accustom still... yourself to the sorry. set. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That you, it, even a little bit, accustom yourself to the set and the people as much as you can. You only have maybe a half an hour. Do you still use a lot of what you learned in classes with Lisa? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. He was amazing. He, he was, uh, can be very destructive. He could be a very destructive man, but a teacher. Uh, but, oh, yeah. He, there was nobody that I have ever seen better at spotting in a 
person and a young person or what was holding them back wow you know that's not easy no he he that was his genius mm. he wasn't a very good director really but he that was his genius as as to being able to instinctively help a person to be themselves and to know how to work mm. where to go how to what to use what to go and he always said listen if you've got it all there like we would say something about uh english actors or something because they don't do that and he said they do it it's just that they know how to do it right. they, they it's just there you know and they don't need to study it but they go deeper and deeper and deeper as they get older john gilgood as a young man was a phony. He was great Shakespearean. He did the poetry Shakespeare, like brilliant, brilliant, all of that, that our people don't do that well at all. But as he got older and older and older, he became more himself. Mm-hmm. And it was him. And those older parts, just amazing, amazing, because it was just him. And it was method acting, if you will, only he didn't know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bonnie, we know you have to. Um, we have to go. But if if you don't mind, I'd I'd like Linda and me to to continue to stick around to to discuss the book. There's whole sections that we want to go over, but I know you have to leave. Okay. But All right. um, if I mean your I your your time is up. I'm I'm assuming. No, no, no. We can go on. Can we? I I there's so much more that I want to get. How about this? How about you tell us when you have to go, and then um. We'll, we'll just we'll just wrap it up then, and then she and I will continue on. Does that work? Okay. Now, is this the same show, or do you just? Yeah, this is the same off? show. Oh, same show. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I. I. This. This passage uh, with studying with Lee. Um, do not be afraid to tell us when, guys. I got to get out of here. Is that okay? Okay. 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 Uh, you sit. You write in the early years of studying with Lee in his private classes. Many of us were afraid of his disdain and disapproval. He could be incredibly cold. He had a way of terrorizing an actor who wasn't delivering. Some of us would lie awake all night with anxiety before we had to present a scene in class. And when the scene we had prepared was over, the feeling of relief was so overwhelming it eclipsed our concern about the quality of the work. Yes. I found this Lord, like, that that's one of the best things I wrote. It's just crazy. You know, I I yeah. I can I don't think there's anyone who can't relate to coming across a tyrant in their life who has control of either a teacher like in grade school even or in college where that yeah. doesn't affect you and it's like it, as you said here like fun would have been surely some part of it but he didn't encourage that you weren't going to a a fun house you were going into a dark place where all you could do was hope to get out alive that's right that's right no lauren loved that because lauren uh was not a person who particularly uh appreciated strasberg's ways of working and we talked a lot about it and i got him to understand it see for somebody like bill who went in there just because i was there he went in he would fight with Lee. They would yell at each other. And I'm crying because the moment, the first lecture that I heard from Lee, the first class, mm. and I didn't know who he was. I went in completely not knowing about the group theater or him and much. I, we should have at Northwestern, but we didn't. And um, so I went in completely. 
and not, you know, myself and everything. The minute I heard him lecture and talk, I thought, oh, my God, I got to be able to do this. I want to be able to act and do this. I want to be up there myself and not copying or imitating. I want to be there. I want to do that. And so the minute you're into that, he becomes like a, such an authority. He, you just have to be there with him and listen and, you know, do it. And he could be, a, he was egomaniac. And so he could be very cold, mm. not with stars. He was a star fucker, if you will. I mean, he was a, a not with the stars, but I was in the private classes and we were all, you know, nothing. We were nobody. And every once in a while, he would pick out a mostly a guy uh, who he could see would be a big star, you know, a George Papard. He would pick out somebody like that, and and he would uh, encourage them and to go go work, you know, and that sort of thing. Now, when Bill came along. Bill had a lot of, worked on a lot of technique. He worked on a lot of comic technique that he had learned on Broadway from Howard Lindsay. He worked on a lot. He had performed as a song and dance man. So he was out there, you know, doing all this stuff. And so he mentioned one time, Bill said, yeah, but there's no pace. And Lee said, pace, pace. What are you talking about? We're not talking about pace. That's a director's problem. And Bill, they would yell back and forth and I would be hysterical. I would be hysterical. Nobody had the guts to do that. And when we got to friends, we were friends with them at uh, at their house and everything. Lee, who loved music the same way Bill loved music, they would go into a room and listen to records and various uh, performances and compare them and stuff like that. Bill had no fear of him at all. No fear. And the two of them, and then, and when he, Bill got up to do a, a song thing, we had, there was a song exercise and Lee said afterwards, you know, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you. You're so slick. You're so clever. You're so slick. And I don't know who you are. So I don't know who, who how, how, how can I cast you if I don't know who you are? Oh. And that, that, you know, got through to Bill because he was a tennis, any one guy. So eventually, by the time Bill did the zoo story, Edward Albee's first play, Lee came back and he said, oh, good work, good work. And he did, even though Bill didn't agree with him many times, and he certainly didn't agree with him as a director, but he, it helped him. It helped open Bill up and he never, never got that slick stuff again. Except maybe once in a while when you're tired. But he just went deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, did all his work was wonderful after that. Linda, so, I, go ahead. No. So the, he wouldn't say he was a, a Strasbourg. All he would say is Strasbourg helped me a lot. Wow. That's what he would say. And that's what Lee could do. That's what Lee could do. Linda and I were talking about the, um, the, the, the House on American Activities Committee uh, last night and Elia Kazan naming names. Linda, can you explore a little bit of that? Because you had well, some... What I know of that is we got into New York just in 
in time. I mean, we, it was too late to get involved and get into trouble or I would have been in trouble. I would have, but uh, I, oh, I would never join the, no, these people actually did join the communist party. No, I never would have done that, but I would have been friends of, and you know, and uh, Paula was, had joined the communist party. Lee's wife. Lee's wife. Lee was never, never joined the party. Lee would never do. Nah, he'd never do that. But she and Kazan had too. And a lot of people, Jerry Robbins had, a lot of very famous people were members of the Communist Party because it was a thing that, a good thing to sign on to. Oh yeah, this is a good thing. It was considered, you know, avant-garde or whatever you want uh, for uh, uh, playwrights and people. They were really members. Now, when I remember that Lee came to class one day and he sat down and it was in the, it was the day that Kazan's thing was in the. Oh, Oops. I think we may have lost Bonnie. Oops. Maybe she'll come back. Okay. I think our time ran out with her. It's like oh. putting quarters into the, into the machine. I want to hear her. I want to hear more of what she has to say, though. Me too. Um, particularly this story. She I know. In the book and and doesn't go into deeper detail. And I, I really want to. This is this is a big moment. in the... That he had taught. Oh. oh, we lost her. Oh, are you there? She is. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, we are here. Oh. So oh, anyway, I'm in the middle of that story. They yes. came back. We went out. They came back. They Thank you. Back. Sorry about that. Right. That was weird. So, okay. so anyway, uh, he came into the class and he said, I'm, I'm sure you know what happened today. He said, I just want you to know that Gadge came over. That was his name, Gadge. They called him Gadget, Gadge, Kazan. Uh, came over to our house last night and told us what he was going to do and uh, told Paula. And we agreed that it was worth it for him to continue to make movies. And so they they both knew it was going to happen. And Paula didn't have a big career. She had nothing to lose. He did, Kazan. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it looks like he probably could not have made a couple of great movies if he hadn't done that. Wow. Still and all, there were other people too he named. There were other people besides Paula. So... Anybody that, you know, if you name people who had a career, you just about destroyed them. And he did that. He did that. Jerry Robbins did that. Yeah. In order to work. So, in other words, you're destroying somebody in order to work. And the thing is that in order to save yourself, the thing is that uh, they already knew. So you weren't the first person to name. Okay. You know, they already knew the people. Yeah. It was just a terrible situation. You're playing ball. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Linda? Yeah. Um, no, I just so was Paula she was teaching at the the actor? She team? was an assist she kinda of was Lee's assistant. And okay. she she wasn't anywhere near the teacher he was. 
but she did go on to work with Marilyn. And I don't know, I was not privy to their uh, relationship that much, except socially, you know? So I don't know if she, she's got a terrible reputation. Terrible. Yeah. So she did still manage to have something of a career because she wasn't a personality who was in front of the the camera or a big name. Right, like right, 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 okay. right. I was I was wondering about that because I mean she's she was seems to me to be you know like let's handpick a few sacrificial lambs to right. get to look the other way and. And I, you know, I'm like, did he deliberately pick people who weren't going to be too affected by it? No, no, no. Was there that much thought even to it? No much, no thought, just anybody. Then what they did is was so-and-so, and and yes, was so-and-so, you know. If you spoke, anybody, I had a very good friend who, yes, his couple of people, very good friend, uh, who were destroyed in terms of making any kind of film. And they had big careers. Mm-hmm. Stanley Prager was the husband of a friend of mine. His career was destroyed. Um, Howard Lindsay, Howard De Silva, not Howard Lindsay, Howard De Silva. His Hollywood career was destroyed. All his money gone, gone, gone. Everything went bye bye because of that. Yes, I guess it it amazes and horrifies me so much. Because so much of the acting community is is Jewish. And in the wake of World War II, here we come up with yet another situation where we're looking for scapegoats and we're turning people in because they're a particular thing. And it's it's just like, wow, Mortifying. this is a minute later and we're doing oh, yeah, the same yeah. thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were... Communism, they were terrified. Nixon's whole career was built on anti-communism. Yeah. He was a bad, bad guy. And uh, God knows, I don't know who the people are today. I mean, I don't know what they're for or not for. They're just for power. Power, right? Right. So, okay. Thank you so much for for joining us, Bonnie. This this was a privilege to have you uh, back well, and to have I, you share your story. You've been great. You've been great, and you're serious, and it's good. Thank you so much for your time. You you be well and take care of yourselves. Okay. All my I best will. to Bill. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, yeah, like that blue thing. Go ahead and uh, now. There. there. Okay. okay. There. Okay. All right. What a remarkable human being and a remarkable story. Let me reconfigure this, folks, so that Linda and I can talk. Give me just a moment on this. Uh, Linda, what do you think? I, it's it's just such a powerful story. I I mean, it because Bonnie has has had the privilege of living to you know, be older than an unusual length of life. Yeah. She had an incredibly long career. And I mean, as, as recently as a couple of years ago was, was still in something, right. She did, has done some recent guest spots and various things. And I don't think she has a plan of quitting. Um, (laughs) I don't think so. Not based on the conversation. Um, But her story spans just such a a great 
swath of modern acting that I I was just finding it so fascinating to read. She's got both her early career in, in theater that, mm-hmm. that she talks about um, and studying with Strasberg, who's just absolutely legendary in the theater community, um, both you know, as a notorious devil and as a notoriously good teacher, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I've, I've read both about him and, you know, here's, here's first person witness on that. Correct. Right down the line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and yes, both are true. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, in the back half of the book, she, she talks about um, her career in television, starting with, you know, Little House and, and, um, other things i during the new york period of of her life um she was on a soap opera and she talks about what that that early you know soap opera life was like and how you were memorizing an entire script every night and going in the next day and doing it live not even filming it and then it goes out the next day but boom it was on the air and whatever you delivered was it was it yeah i, I could yes. not deal with that level of stress <laughs> i, could I couldn't either. i quake over just a few lines when i'm when i'm uh, you know performing and well this has been years now but you know i couldn't pull that off there's that's a muscle you know david hewlett we've talked about that with him on the show you know there's just there is a uh it it come it goes in it goes back out and then that's <laughs> that's it and, that's and somehow it. normally in the right order so just craziness yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the go ahead no no just just the that it was like doing a new theater production every single day and you know having to get the blocking right and having to get the words right and and how on earth they managed to light that i don't know because it does take you know, an hour to set up the lights for every scene. So they must have just had fixed lighting and gone for it. Mm. Um, I, I'd love a time machine to watch that. I really would. Um, that would we, really uh, fit my boat. We, we had the next best thing uh, just yeah. joining us just now. Um, uh, Bonnie uh, Bartlett Daniels, Middle of the Rainbow, How Wife, Mother, and Daughter Managed to Find Herself and Win Two Emmys. Uh, this was released this past January. Uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon. Um, and it's, uh, it's it, like, like I told her before we got started, uh, and, and based on my conversations with you, you know, it's intense. <laughs> so, you know, and it's, um, it's brave. So. It is. It's incredibly brave. Um, I highly recommend it to all the feminists in the the audience. Um, I I really found a lot of. She may not have intended it as advice to women, but I'm taking it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely got some things out of it that I'm gonna put into use in my own life as a woman. Um, you know about about finding your voice and about you know standing up for yourself in different situations and and like i said earlier about creatively finding that way to get your idea whatever way yeah i mean she she was clever you know she Mm -hmm. she saw an opportunity there and and she navigated it that way she could have been like well you know what i whatever um like but she she saw she saw a different in 
and she she was just pursuing the end result and she did it she got what she she got what she thought was was best and you know it's it it moved forward that way there's so much that we didn't cover the the incident on v with the with the murder and starting up the very next day you know with a different a uh, member of of uh, with a, someone cast there was a, there was a murder uh, of one of the uh, you want to abbreviate yeah. this really really quick yeah, yeah. Uh, be like what murder what you didn't get to that yeah Do- dominique dunn um was playing one of the the younger characters on um and this was the original v mini series the, the first uh, yeah. mark singer and um i forget who else was in the cast but um yeah, this young actress was murdered by an ex-boyfriend, and um, one of the the other actors, uh, the je- young gentleman who was playing um, Bonnie's son mm. on the the series, was there in the house, and this murder took place, and he heard the whole thing, and then the next day they're at work, and there's a new actress already bam immediately cast and they just continued on with filming as if this horrible thing hadn't happened and that just that stunned me when i read it and i i get low budget productions and if you pause in filming maybe that kills the production but a life had just been lost and that just really horrified me it's just just absolutely extraordinary, you know. I mean, we talked about uh, uh, last week with James Tishner um, on the set of Stargate SG One. It was his episode, um, uh, Menace, that was being filmed, and September Eleventh happened, and Martin Wood eventually called it and shut down the set. Um, you know, and even even in that situation, there were there was an instance of you know some people wanted to keep working because to stop would have been akin to saying these evil people have won and they've they've derailed our lives uh but the the other then you know the other side of that is you know the gatecon was was happening that that following weekend and you know alan and and some of the other team there they they talked with eric avari and they were like no no no, we we've got that's 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 a little different that's a that's a unique specific event they're like you know the show we have to do this show um we we it's it's important to do it because of a host of different reasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's I think uh, you know a collective breath, you know, in terms of production is a good idea. What Corey Monteith died, the Glee production shut down for a few months. You know, they had to they had to in that situation reconfigure the season. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, and you know, going through Bonnie's story is just uh, you know it's it's nearly a hundred years of, of of events and and uh, uh opportunities where she learned and and adjusted her her self and her her path accordingly it's just an ex- it's an extraordinary piece of work yeah. so and to have her on is just such a treat so the people she's worked with i i mean she mentioned a few i mean marilyn is marilyn monroe right. um, <laughs> um, robert de niro um i i believe um oh my god there's there's just so many I, roy I, scheider I, in sequest is one uh, of my personal favorites uh-huh yep um you know and it's it's just like every few pages another name of someone famous comes up and you're like oh my god 
um, you know, I just randomly opened the book to see who I land on. And here's Barbara Bel Geddes, who, who eventually played J.R. Ewing's mother on, on uh, Dallas. Um, <laughs> that's right. And further down. Uh, that's my mother's generation. Montgomery Cliff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, yeah, this, this is just an utterly fascinating book that touches on, on so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, you know, you can see all my, my post-it notes with all my many <laughs> notes to self. Um, yeah, I, I very much got into this book. Um, I get into any book. I think that's known about me, but I particularly got into this one. <laughs> Well, I appreciate um, you joining me to share uh, in in this uh, in, in this time of, of going through the the content and and sharing it with her. So it uh, it means the world to have you on the team and uh, to get to um, uh, really dive into this material with her was great. So I appreciate it. It was a real treat for me. It, it really oh, I'm was. glad. I'm All considering right. this my birthday present from you. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks, Linda. And thank you, Bonnie Bartlett Daniels, for uh, for joining us in this episode. Uh, Dial the Gate is brought to you every week for free, and we do appreciate you watching. But if you're in the mood for some kind of Stargate-related merchandise, consider uh, buying yourself uh, some themed swag. We've got uh, t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors uh, at dialthegate.com slash merch. Check out as fast and easy. You can use your credit card or PayPal. And uh, thanks so much for your support. We really do appreciate it. We've got a, a pretty big slate of content coming up. Uh, we've got uh, fan-made Lego Stargate sets premiering in an hour from now. That's a pre-recorded segment um, with uh, Stargate uh, Lego Lego fans. And then tonight at 4 o'clock Pacific time, Anna Galvin is going to be joining us to discuss her uh, Stargate SG-1 Atlantis and Universe Roles Wednesday, February the twenty second. Writer, senior story editor of Stargate SG One, Tor, Alec- Tor Alexander Valenza, is going to be joining us to discuss his uh, episodes. And February the twenty fifth, next Saturday, uh, Morris Chapdelaine and Glennis Davies will be joining us uh, currently. And I've got a few other uh, surprises in the works. One I'm particularly excited about. Uh, I'll be keeping you abreast of that as we move forward. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. My appreciation to Linda, my moderating team, Tracy, Jeremy, Summer, Reese, and Anthony, Frederick Marcou at Concepts Web, who keeps DialTheGate.com up and running. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gates. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. 
Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thank you.